Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening we're at the 40 percent mark fam yeah that's right we've done it we are here uh a lot of ups and downs a lot of fun along the way fun jam-packed show for you let's get right into it let's start it off with the fly by herself kelly henkel so i was gonna start off this show by complaining but i'm gonna change that and just like Give you guys a little peek behind the curtain here. Bill Matz, the professional that he is, got oh. ready to do this show in about 39 seconds. So you should all appreciate him. He literally like woke up and like 40 seconds later was like, all right, let's go. I set my alarm this morning <laughs> for 10 a.m. Just I was like, I'll check my phone to see what they're doing. And then I'll go back to sleep for another hour. No problem. <laughs> of course, I wake up to find out the team's practicing at noon. So Charlie has a tight timeline. Everyone knows I have to work, you know, around 3, 4. So it was just like, you know what? Let's do it right now. That's right, goddammit. I am a professional. Thank you, Kelly. You're welcome. Yeah, so if, if if we all sound a little low energy, it's because we just got out of bed. No way. I am well. amped up beyond belief after a 5-4 victory last night over the vaunted Buffalo Sabres. Oh, God. I bet you one man was there. That would be the Athletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. Hey guys, so I mean, I'm like, I am, ex- Hi, I am exhausted. Charlie what? looks, Charlie looks like he played in the game last night. <laughs> but like, I'm not, I'm not exhausted entirely because like I just woke up, which I did. But I'm just, I'm just tired of like this season was supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it hasn't been and it's just like can we just have a fun season like a like nope. a start to finish fun season does does this all just have to be so goddamn exhausting all the time like is there such a thing though like is that possible like has I, I think any so team... i think so i think it is like if at the end of the year and i'm not like saying they're going to i'm just like if at the end of the year if they win the cup, wouldn't all the exhaustion just be like, wouldn't that just turn into the friends we made along the way? Like, no, no, <laughs> like, no. If they just and win I, the cup, then it was all fun. I have a lot of thoughts. I think that hockey season in general is too long for it to all be fun. <laughs> like, we're going to be miserable no, and, for uh, some periods, even if they're winning lots of games in a row. Like, you're still going to get burnt yeah, out. Yeah, there's like, some it's stretches. Just, Bear has a lot to say about this, but six games in nine days, like even if they won them all, it's just too much. It's too much. Uh, And that was Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. You make a a great point, Steph. Uh, I I usually do. Yeah, because like in this season, in any season, even a great team is going to have a slump. Uh, I guess we can start it off right there. Like, 
Steph, do you think this is a slump that they were in? Maybe they came out of it last night. Maybe they motivated themselves out of it with that comeback win. Do you think Ugh. this is the low point of the season and they're bouncing back? Like, elaborate on your, they're going to have, we're going to have shit times regardless. I am so sick of this team. I, <laughs> like, I'm just okay, so Not quite as positive team. as I am. I like it. Well, because you look at them on paper, it's mostly because I'm also, like, I'm just fucking exhausted at this point. Um, by the way, sold my house in three days. Um, hooray! hooray. Uh, I'm just so sick of this team because you look at them on paper. On paper, just if, if we're using what we know of the veteran core, right? Like, we know what they're capable of. And then you look at what they produce every night, and it's just like, why, like, why is this happening? Especially like, I mean, they oh, win a God. lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, and I know that I've been very. You've got to look at um, by points percentage, they're in the playoffs. Like I know, I know that, but it's still like, God, it just hurts. And and right now. Right now, as we record on whatever day of the week this is, at very early in the morning for me to be speaking. Days, days aren't real anymore, Steph. <laughs> They're definitely not It's real been anymore. one long game since last Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Um, I find myself most disappointed in Ivan Provorov. Yes. That is that is an interesting point that we're going to get to a yes. little later in the show. I, I've been, I think I've alluded to it for the past, I don't know, six months or so. But I'm I'm ready to just say it just out loud right now. Six months, two weeks, who's to say? Uh, who's to say? So many of you uh, will listen to this on Thursday. So first of all, I'd like to wish Travis Konechny a very happy birthday. And of course, every listener to BSH Radio, an extremely merry 311 day. Uh, I think we can categorize Thursday's come from behind shootout win as a beautiful disaster. So, uh, see what I did there? I'm a professional, uh, yeah. like Kelly said. Tuesday? Thursday? Tuesdays. I said Thursday, even. Yeah, you're right. Well, fucked up part Listen, of it. Listen, days are fake. Yeah. We just went through this. So, how I should feel right after that one, and overall, like, I'm very torn. Because I thought for a while this team's offensive depth and goaltending uh, would be enough to overcome their defensive deficiencies. There's no perfect team out there. Everyone has a weakness. Uh, I just figured I like what they do well better than what they do poorly. Well, is this team's defense so bad that it should actually affect about like how I look at them? Uh, they lost 3 of 4 against Pittsburgh and Washington. They trailed 3-0 in their one win in those four games. They had to overcome a 3-1 deficit against freaking Buffalo last night. Is this team so bad defensively that I should change my expectations and think of them as a lesser team as a whole? Evidently. Like, I didn't think so before, but the science will show that perhaps you should adjust your expectations. I'm just so, like, all of what you just said, right, the team's offensive depth. Were we mistaken about their offensive depth? Because last night they had a defenseman playing wing. Well, no, they didn't. uh, We're... They they, they definitely, just dressed seven. He definitely yeah, they did not play seven. They dressed seven defense. That was that was that I was wasn't a paying enough attention to one Eric Gustafson. That was a uh, that was a, a a rumor that was on social media when in reality they were always playing with seven defensemen. 
Okay, all right, then that makes me feel better. But still, the fact that we believed it, were we mistaken about this team's offensive Well, depth? we believed it. We believed it could be a possibility because in the last six months, they have turned Sam Moran into a forward <laughs> and played Mark Friedman, who hadn't played forward since he was a child, in a nationally televised <laughs> outdoor game. Right, so if, if, you, if you do those two things, then nothing is completely out of the question. <laughs> In the they Mark- also then turned Samuel Moran back into a defense. In the Mark Friedman circumstance, like they were down to their 24th forward or whatever the hell they were down to. And Sam Moran, like, I, I get it. They're trying to make something out of a guy who's not very good. Like, uh, so I, I really can't blame them for that. For, I have to ask you guys before we get further into this. Are you guys trying to spread a rumor that I'm pro-ghost at wing and you're having people... Hit me up on Twitter and like, oh, Bill will be excited because they're like two steps away from Ghost at Wing. Or are what? they taking it upon themselves to fuck with me? Yes, that one. Okay. Um, yes, but also, Bill, you've been saying it for like two years. I've been <laughs> saying I don't like it. I've never wanted no, no, no. Ghost at Wing. No, 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 no. You've always wanted Ghost I said at it wing. doesn't make any sense. His entire game is based on time and space. Putting him at Wing would take away the thing he does well. Bill, is I, this I'll, one of those Mandela effect things? I think that this is the Mandela effect <laughs> because it's. I I want sure positionless hockey. Said, I think that's what it, like put five put five guys out there like make Ghost and Gus a pair and just say fuck it. We're only playing offense. But I've Charlie, never said move Ghost to forward. Have you also been Mandela effect? Okay, in our defense. It's really hard to keep track of all the crazy ideas that you do endorse <laughs> versus the point. ones you don't. It's a good point. Uh, fair enough. I, I can't argue that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, all right. So, but, but I, okay, like, I guess going back to the, the yeah, defense. I don't remember what we were talking about. Yeah, we're talking about. about the defensive question about changing expectations. Like, maybe it's, it's so tough to say because right now we're like in the middle of a really rough patch. So obviously right now, everything, it seems logical to be most negative. Because why wouldn't you? Like, they're losing games. They're barely beating the pathetic Buffalo Sabres who have essentially quit on their coach and don't have their best player playing. At the same time, like, if you, if you really break down these games, I mean, you know, they, they, they did beat the Sabres, you know, and like, pat, pat on the back, but they won the game. The Washington game was a really, really tough circumstance from a schedule standpoint. And they still maybe could have won that game, had two, like, on-the-fence referee calls not totally gone against them. And then the, the, the game before that, they were up 3-2 until Brian Elliott gives up one of the worst goals of the season. And then it becomes a toss-up game in the third period, and they get the one goal. So, like, like things seem really bad right now. They do. That said, they're probably not as bad as they seem. And, like, Charlie, you you tweeted this last night. It actually gave me a little bit of perspective. Like, did they not dominate most of that game last they night? They did. They did. Because they're a much better team in the Buffalo Yeah, no, they, they absolutely <laughs> did. No, and they absolutely are, and there's no excuse. There's no excuse for being down 3-1 to a team that hasn't scored more than two goals in two fucking months or whatever it's been. Like, it, no excuse. But, like, they get a couple of saves, they win this game going away. Right. But they didn't. 
but they still won. Like at the end, they're not gonna. At the end of the day, when they finish second in the East, like we're not gonna look at the points total and go, well, actually that should be less because they were down three two in that game and to set. Like no, it's just how many games did you Bill, get two Bill, points in? I think you are highly underestimating Flyers Twitter. They absolutely yeah, I mean, will do speak that. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm just, I'm looking at this as, like, listen, I could be, I could be talked into other things. Like, I've seen what you've all seen. They're not playing great hockey consistently right now. But I also kind of look at this as the low point of the season. Like, every team's going to hit a dip. Fucking look at what just happened to, to Toronto. Like, everyone loses sometimes. So, like, as the person who's been shouting all season that winning games is actually good no matter how you win them, last night for me was just kind of like, the Flyers should not have a close game against the Buffalo Sabres. No one should. Exactly. And but that's, Ottawa's won games this and, year. Like, and you're shit right. Happens. Like, at the end of the season, if the Flyers are in the playoffs and things are looking good, I'm not going to give a shit about this win over the Buffalo Sabres that was ugly. But right now, after a slew of games where things look kind of messy, win or loss, mostly losses right now, it's hard not to, like, start to get in your head a little bit about, like, is this team actually good? <laughs> or I put it in the outline, and I think it was Brad that mentioned it in Slack last night. Was what we saw last season, which was a bunch of fun hockey that resulted in a lot of wins, was that a mirage created by Carter Hart playing really well? And with Carter Hart playing poorly, we're seeing more – of what this team actually is. So, That's what scares me a little so, bit. So my issue with that is that, like, there's a reason why we say that the Jack Adams Award really is a goaltending award because it's whoever has good goaltending, the coach looks great, and if co- if a coach has bad goaltending, the coach gets fired. Like, yes, one of the reasons why the Flyers were fun and good last year is because Carter Hart was fun and good. And one of the reasons why they're super frustrating right now is because Carter Hart has been super frustrating. But, like, that's just the nature of goaltending. It's has such, it has such an outsized level of importance on how you feel about a team that you can't be like, well, it was just a mirage because Carter Hart isn't playing well. Like, a big reason why the Flyers aren't playing well is because Carter Hart isn't playing well. It's not that, yeah. like, it, it would be one thing if Carter Hart was playing mediocre and the Flyers look like shit. And you're like, okay, maybe, like, you know, this was just a product of Carter Hart playing over his head. <clears throat> Carter Hart is playing bad. And, of course, the team in front of him is going to seem bad when the goalie has an 888 save percentage on the season. Yeah, it's not good. Um, just real quick to wrap it up with the defense, then I do want to do a whole thing on Carter. Um everyone's, you know, looking forward to Chuck Fletcher pulling the trigger, bringing in a top four defenseman. Ekholm's the sexy name out there right now. Say they bring in a Matthias Ekholm. That doesn't solve this team's defensive issues, right? Like, this no. is a team... This isn't just, you know, oh, get 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 Proverov as perfect partner, and then we're off and running. The, the team-wide defensive issues, like... That's not going to stop Travis Konechny from going, oh, look at that, Sam Reinhart. Oh, fuck, he's shooting and scoring. <laughs> that was really bad. That's really <laughs> that's, bad. That's, like, it's not going to stop that because that's like a, fairness, a whole thing. When you see Sam Reinhart with the puck, do you really think he's going to score a goal? He's got like 10 or 11 goals. He's a pretty I mean, good player. 
on that team. I, yes. Yeah, that's that's the biggest I know. Problem. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. That was really it was really horrific. No, I'm like, just saying like the team it's not about it's not like the oh yeah, men. well, like it's not about getting rid of a McDonald right now. It's a team-wide defensive issue that doesn't totally. just relate to the blue liners. It's everyone. It is it's it is also about the blue oh, liners. Yes. Like it's it's but it's definitely They're blameable. Both. Like the the talent isn't there. And the entire team has just decided that they they just don't do defense. There's no there's no D amongst this team. Not a Not single one D. single D. They all lost their Ds in so lost many it. ways. <laughs> it's Cut them off. Just no, a bunch wow. of Mark, no D just a, energy there at all. Wow. Just a bunch of Mark Streit's running around. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Poor, poor Mark Streit. <laughs> all right, so obviously. What's he up to? Does he want to come back? He's probably working for a team. Somewhere. I'm sure, yeah. Somewhere. Probably the Islanders or the Flyers. I good? actually think he's working for the league. Let me check it out. He, was, he wasn't dirty enough to be head of the Department of Player Safety. But, but Bill, to, to answer your question about, you know, does getting a defenseman solve this team's problem? No, it doesn't. Like, the, the team defense is a problem. That said, like, one assumes that the team defense issues can be solved now whether they will be solved is another story entirely but in theory they can be solved because in the past this flyers group has played good team defense so presumably that can be solved now what can't be solved is that they do need another top four defenseman like that's that's something that like that guy is just gonna pop up out of nowhere you know, to, to save the Flyers a la Shane Goss' fair in 2015-2016. Like, they need to get one. So that is something that actually needs to be done. That said, it's not going to matter if they go out and get Matias Ekholm if the team defense doesn't play better. But if the team defense does, if the team defense starts playing better, they're still going to need another defenseman. So that's mm-hmm. the distinction there. Like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily an X's and O's guy. I don't break down the tape the way Charlie does, but... Forgive me if I'm wrong, crew. Um, shouldn't it be simple to go, it's five on five. I'm not standing next to anybody, and I should be. Like, there's, they they just have a couple of defensive breakdowns that aren't breakdowns. They're implosions. I mean, it's look, like, it's, just it's wide more, open players in the slot. It's more complex than that, absolutely. But there's an element of truth to like guys are just being left unmarked. You know, there are switches that aren't happening. There's, you know, guys are puck watching when they should be paying attention to someone getting underneath them. Like that is happening. And then it's all compounded by the fact that, look, it's hockey. It's a fast game. Breakdowns are going to happen. You remember the breakdowns yeah. that go in the back of the net and Carter Hart is not stopping anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I go back to the, to the one pit. I think the first Pittsburgh game of the three in a row where two Pittsburgh forwards got behind Ghost and Provorov. And I just thought, like, when they looked up and saw three Pittsburgh sweaters in front of them, where did they think the other two were? (laughs) (laughs) Did they think it was a five-on-three? They would have remembered that. Like, so chances are they're behind you. And, it, like, it's just boggling my mind. But just as as we've all said and as Charlie just said, goaltending could erase some of this team's defensive shortcomings. And lately, Carter Hart has been unable to do so. He was pulled after allowing three goals on eight shots in the first period last night. Not ideal. He's got a goals against approaching four. Save percentage of 888. Um... What are we seeing with Carter Hart right now? 
he seems to be going through it, huh? He's, yeah. Mentally. Yes. Not in a good spot. Which I guess is like, I don't know, didn't we kind of think that maybe, you know, sophomore slump situation could happen? We were just kind of hoping it didn't, but maybe it is. I mean, you're you're always hoping that the slump doesn't happen with the goalie. Because it can happen with any goalie at any time because the position is just fucking weird. And, I mean, we're far enough into the season that we're far enough into the season that even if Carter Hart does turn it around, and I think there's a decent chance he does at some point this season, but even if he does, he's probably dug himself a deep enough statistical hole that we're going to look back on this season three years in the future as the down Carter Hart season. Mm Mm-hmm. In keeping with the weirdness of goalies, of course, the sophomore slump coming in his third year. Uh, he's basically me in college, a, a, you know, second sophomore year after the Phillies won the World Series. <laughs> well, it's the second uh, full year, right? Yeah, like I know, I know. Yeah. I just wanted to make that joke about okay. goalies. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, like, uh, on the mental thing, um, like, Carter Hart belongs in the NHL right now and when he got called up. He was ready. We know that because he had success. Uh, I think he's going to be a cup-worthy netminder one day. As much as maybe Hextall thought Hart's actual game needed polishing, do you think he wanted to kind of shelter him from the insane expectations we put on goalies here? Like, you know, the pre- is the pressure of being the franchise goalie in a city once famously described as hell for his position be wearing on Hart? Like, do you see that with the with his mentality right now? I don't. I don't know. He I, looked I, dejected I, last night. Real you know, bad. He, he looked dejected after the game. Um, you know, he was he was given media availability, and it, it was rough. I mean, he looked crushed. He looked, you know, really, really down. That said, like I, I really hesitate to go full like armchair psychologist with players, like because I just don't. I just don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a narrative, you know, oh, Carter Hart's, you know, a wreck right now. And maybe he is, but I don't know for sure. Like, he looked, he did not look good last night. Maybe he woke up this morning and has turned the page and is his usual self at practice today. Like, I don't know, especially don't know now because I'm not in the friggin' locker room because of COVID. But, like, I don't like to play amateur, you know, armchair psychologist when I do not have, you know, direct contact and a direct line to, to Carter Hart's feelings and his mental state at the time. That said, he's not playing well. So, like, all you can really judge him on is how he's playing. And I understand the arguments that a lot of this is on the defense. And let's be clear. We're not absolving the defense by oh, any no. means. No. By any means. But I'm sorry. When you have an 888 save percentage on the season, that's not all on the defense. And like, like, like you can have, if you have like a 906, you could be like, okay, you know what? That might be a defensive problem. And he's actually playing pretty well. When you're below 890, that's a lot on you. And when the other goalie on the team who plays behind the same defense has a substantially uh, more positive save percentage, there's like, that too. You can't oh and like as bad as the defense is, that's the goalie's job. Yeah. Get hit with the fucking puck. It's why you're wearing the big pillows on your legs. Like, I I, I hate criticizing the guy because I love him and I think he's gonna be awesome, but it's true, he's hurting them right now. Yeah. I don't love um just in general comparing one player's poor performance to another, which is really like <laughs> 
there, here's mama walking across my computer. Um, it's really, I, I, like, what am I doing here if I'm not comparing <laughs> player to player? But I don't like comparing Carter Hart's poor performance to Brian Elliott's good performance only because, like, the fact that Brian Elliott is playing well doesn't add or take away anything from Carter Hart playing poorly. Like, that's just the the general situation that we're in as fans and, and analysts. But Carter Hart is playing poorly. Period. And Brian Elliott is playing well. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, yes. yeah. It yeah. does. And it's, and it's, like, certainly, I don't... it's certainly possible that, like, the Flyers... This is another thing that, like, you hear, you know, people pose this on social media and I have a major problem with it. Like, it's, it's, it's possible that the Flyers are playing better all around hockey on the whole in front of Brian Elliott over Carter Hart. And it's also highly likely that that does not mean that they are, like, less confident in front of Carter Hart or they don't like Carter Hart. Like, sometimes in small sample sizes, weird shit happens and a weird shit that falls into that bucket is one goalie, the team just happens to play better games on aggregate in front of than the other. And I do believe that is happening to Hart in a sense. That said, Hart also is not holding up his end of the bargain on a lot of nights. No, like I kind of take it as it's like they actually really do like him and they take more chances and they try to create more offense with Hart because they have more confidence in him and they play like a more just down to basics, let him see the shot and make the save sort of game in front of Brian Elliott. But like, again, I, I, I don't think they're playing much differently in front of one goalie or the other. Definitely not on purpose. Kind of just think it's one of them years. Then Goalies have great seasons. Goalies have bad seasons. Shit happens. Like, we saw Michael Layton, the worst goalie of all time, basically take a team on his back to the Stanley Cup <laughs> final. Like, and then totally shit all over himself. But, like, it still happened. <laughs> like, you know, so, like, weird stuff happens. Uh, the thing that's driving me nuts is, I, I think I brought it up last week, Hart has made 85 regular season starts, 14 more in the postseason. And there are fans out there comparing him to Carson Wentz, and that shit is just like, it shows a a wild misunderstanding of not one, but two high-profile city athletes. (laughs) Fun fact fact real quick, Hart is not yet as old as Wentz was in Wentz's rookie season. Like, (laughs) we always, there is always that step back you have to take with Carter Hart. This shit is ridiculous. He's 22 years old. No, well, what it shows is that there's a lot of people who are very clearly three for four Philadelphia sports fans <laughs> who don't nice. actually know hockey and just jump on the hockey train to try to piss off actual Flyers fans. That feels right. Yeah, there are there is an element of trolling Flyers fans because... We are the way we are, and hockey fans are the way we are, and there's always going to be a, like an element of trolling there. Um, so this might be a little overly dramatic. Just remember, I often I'm ready play, for it. I often play the messenger on this show. I am presenting ideas oh for you guys to either agree with or pick apart. He's just uh, asking I don't questions. always what he's just asking yeah, questions. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> uh, so this might be a little overly dramatic, but. Carter Hart's just not going to be the guy for a couple years, and that's totally fine for him. Like, you know, like I said, he's 22. But we have a core ready to win now. 
does that put the organization at odds with itself? Can they justify trying to win now if they think the goaltender just isn't ready? So here's my question to you. Do we have a core that's ready to win now? Yes. Yes, yeah, six, 630 yes. points percentage, won a playoff series last year. Absolutely. Eighth in the, eighth in the league in goals per game. 100% they do. You're, you're, you're seeing what we're seeing every night, and you're saying that this core is ready to win now? Why wouldn't they be? They because win I'm most grumpy nights. at them, William. I'm grumpy, <laughs> I'm at, grumpy them. at them. They win <laughs> most nights. I mean, like, they've won a vast majority of their games. 630 <laughs> points percentage. By points percentage, they're in the playoffs right now. Eighth in the league in goals per game. It's They've got a goaltending and defense issue. We think they can address the defense. I, I'm grumpy at them. Let me be grumpy at them. I, I'm just stating facts. So, I, I mean, like, as we've said a million times, you don't need peak career Dominic Hasek to win a Stanley Cup. You just need average goaltending. And we're not getting that right now but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to think that on a sustainable basis, Carter Hart can be a league average goaltender and that perhaps the team might remember things like how to score goals or, you know, how to stop players from entering your zone and not just backing all the way up to the blue line. Like you're all a bunch of Andrew McDonald's. Like perhaps they will remember these simple things and then suddenly problem solved. I don't know that it requires like a whole reset of the organization's, you know, current plan for the team. Yeah, I I completely agree. Yeah, I'm not thinking um, of reset. It's just the idea of like fans want them to go get Matias at home. That is going to cost a large so, sum, whether whether it's draft assets, prospects, a roster player. Can, Good. Do it. Yeah, do it. That's my... But can you justify it if you don't think the goaltender is good enough right now? I was actually... Is. I was actually thinking a lot about this the other night, William, so I'm glad that you brought it up because <laughs> one thing that I think that you can probably say out loud reasonably that literally no Flyers fan on earth wants to hear is that perhaps this is not the year. Perhaps next yeah. year would be a better year for them to go all in on pushing for a cup. If you do something like trade a bunch of futures to get a guy like Matthias Ekholm that could be a rental or a guy that you lose to expansion, that's something that you do when you're saying, right now, at this second, we're pushing for a Stanley Cup. And right now, at this second, I'm not sure that the Flyers are going to do that this year. Now, is that frustrating? Yes. Does it mean that we're back to the whole two years away from being two years away thing? No. It means that maybe all of the weird shit that's happened this season, like Carter Hart hitting a slump, the Flyers losing a bunch of players to COVID, the schedule being condensed and messy, like maybe all of this stuff means that this isn't the year that we ask Chuck to go out and put together a team that's going to make a serious push for the Stanley Cup. Maybe it's next year. Is that that bad? I don't think it is but I think that if you acknowledge it like if you allow yourself to live in that reality Flyers fans are going to lose their minds if Kelly no, I think I, you're right Ke Ke Kelly I think that's a, a really 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 good point thanks yeah I I think you're right um and that's kind of like the 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 logic behind my joke of are do we have a core that's ready to win now yeah that's what the logic was but it was mostly a joke 
And it's okay to not be ready to push right now, but I think they are. And that's only because um, what we say all the time is crazy shit happens in the playoffs. Like, just make it in and crazy shit happens. Like, how can you justify not putting your team in the best position for that crazy shit to happen? I think because it requires... It requires a set of thi- – because you're essentially saying that, like, this is the year, a couple of years from now, be damned. I don't give a shit about that because this year we're going to win the Cup. And I'm not sure that the Flyers are that team right now. That isn't to say that this group of players isn't the group of players that will do it. I do think that they are, for the most part. They do need pieces. But I feel like at the core of this team, this is a team that can – seriously compete for a Stanley Cup because of everything happening this year I don't know if this is the year that it's going to happen and I think it's okay to acknowledge that I just think like making additions this year even if it's just one high profile addition doesn't stop you from doing it in the future like they've spent the last five years accumulating assets if they don't have enough for more than one run god damn thank god Pittsburgh got Ron Hextall because then he fucking sucks well, that's no, the hope no, anyway. and and that is that is very true. Like they they can afford to give up some assets to improve this year. You know, they're going to be having an NHL draft where half Allegedly. the players half the players in the draft have barely played this year because of leagues being paused and everything. So, like a first round pick this year, and maybe you know that'll result in teams not valuing them as much either. But my point is, is that like. I'm willing to give up a first-round pick this year because I don't even know how valuable a first-round pick is actually going to be this year, mm-hmm. considering the draft. Yeah. And they're and they're chock full of prospects, so they can afford to do it. That said, there's a distinction I want to make here. And, and and before I get into this, I want to be clear: like I still think the Flyers should should look to add. Mm-hmm. I think that this team, true talent wise on paper, is good enough to compete with another. If they get another top four defenseman, I'd like to see them do it. I think it's probably time. But I think there's a distinction here between two things. And, and I go back to this concept of, of who deserves such a move to happen. The fans yes. of the Philadelphia Flyers absolutely deserve for the Flyers to go out and try to improve this team to and gear up for a cup run. They deserve it because they've dealt with this bullshit for eight years and this, you know, we're good, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. They deserve the Flyers to make a move. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Flyers deserve the Flyers to make a move. Like, there's an element of the team showing the GM that they are worthy of further investment. And I don't know if they are showing they deserve Chuck Fletcher to go out and spend a first-round pick to make them better. Because we just talked about the the team defense is a mess. The goalie isn't playing well. Like, there is an element of you basically forcing your general manager's hand and the team is not doing that. That's a very good point. I, 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 That's an two, excellent point. Two things. That's why you get paid the big, big bucks, Chuck. Two things. I'll take your who deserves it a step further, Charlie. Me and the four of us deserve it. <laughs> God, yeah, we do. We are the most ca- important people in the world. I don't ca- this 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 like this mystical they you're referring to. Don't know who they are, but I fucking deserve it. Um, we do. Yeah, like the, the members of Broad Street Hockey Radio deserve it. The writers at BroadStreetHockey.com deserve it. Even that asshole over the over at the Athletic, he deserves it. It may. Uh, <laughs> like. 
My second part is, I, 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 I understand what you're saying about forcing the GM's job and the, the team deserving it. Um, I think that absolves the GM a little, because the GM built fair. the fucking team. That's totally fair. That's totally he's, the one, he's the one who couldn't get a defenseman during the yeah. offseason was like, Eric Gustafson, that's a good idea. Like, that was him. You know, he's that, the one totally who fair. added no forward. Like, so I, I can't. Yes, the team has to be playing at a certain level for you to justify the spending of the assets. That just makes sense. But he built the thing, and he built it with the idea that they're going to win a bunch of games, and he needs to also, like, contribute. Like, okay, what I was doing was wrong. I need to fix that. As much as they need to fix their defensive yeah. issues, he yeah. needs to fix the defense that he fucking built. No, it's a good point, and and it's completely fair. And I mean, what look? What Chuck Fletcher did in the offseason was he took a risk. You know, this the whole the whole job of general managing is is the concept of basically risk management. You're yeah. taking risk. You're evaluating. You know, what's the better risk to take? And Chuck Fletcher's risk that he took in the offseason was that I am not going to basically go like crazy and give up more assets than I believe I should have to to panic address the loss of Matt Niskanen. I instead am going to trust the players I have and trust that they are good enough to hold down the fort and play well enough so that I can go out of the trade deadline or next offseason and actually address the problem that I know is an actual problem. That was the risk. So far, that risk has not worked out that well for him. That was part of it. Like, the whole concept of there being a risk is that it could go bad. And in fairness, like, it hasn't gone terribly in the sense that it's not like the team is dead last in the division. Like, they're still in the mix for a playoff spot, and in most divisions, they probably would be a playoff lock because most divisions don't have five playoff teams for four spots. But at the same time, he probably hoped that the team would have done a better job of compensating for the loss of Matt Niskanen than they have, and that was a, in retrospect, a mistake on his part, even acknowledging that we don't know just how much he would have had to pay to get a defensive upgrade. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back on the other side, and we're going to talk about toughness. We're going to talk about other shit, too, though, so just stay tuned. <clears throat> All right, everybody, we are back, and I just, I just, I don't want to make a big thing out of this, uh, but how come there's no response to dirty shots ever whatsoever 100% of the time? Yeah. Like, I, you know, I get not, okay, you don't want to risk a penalty, you don't want to take a fine, just go out and beat them, that's the way you, that's the way you respond, score a goal. Um, when Scott Lawton gets treated like, I don't know, a speared fucking, uh, what gets speared? Not a dolphin. Fish. Yeah. Fish. I was trying to think of the big fish. Marlins. Marlins. Yeah. yeah Let's go. rewind. When, when Scott Lawton <laughs> gets treated like a speared Marlin, um, and no one does shit about it, you're playing Buffalo. I don't want to hear, we don't want to risk a penalty. If you can't risk a single penalty to stick up for one of the best heart and soul guys on this team, you don't fucking deserve to win. Like, it's Buffalo. Go kick that guy's ass. Okay. I'm sorry. Like, I'm tired of it. It's ridiculous. Okay, so there are a couple points I want to make about this. Because, look, I agree that was a dirty freaking play. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a play. Like, I don't think he's going to get suspended. Buffalo for responded to it. They were like, oh. Yeah, sure. We they grew they took momentum from it. Up, oh, this team's soft. We can beat them for the first time in six years to win a game. But a couple of things I want to say. First thing is that 
I honestly think the reason why that the fly the Flyers didn't respond to that play as it happened is I don't think anybody actually saw it. Like it was a it, and I I I acknowledge that's weird for a play at center ice, but like that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like the faceoff happens and then you are focused on the puck. You're not focused on what's happening to the center after the he's after he's already had the faceoff done like you're in play mode i don't think anybody even saw the play that said i do think they should have went after lazar afterwards mm-hmm. after they looked up at the the video board and they saw it on replay and it's like wait what did he just do so there's that by the same token and i th- this like in a in a in a dark comedy sort of way it did make me laugh even as like the flyers chances of winning that game basically dissipated as a result of it it was really funny on Sunday that Joel Farabee takes a high hit from Zidane Char, gets knocked on his ass. James Van Reems like does the thing that we have been screaming about. People on Twitter have been screaming about all year, which is defend the kid who's getting beat up on by the veteran. And then because James Van Reems like takes himself out of the play to defend the kid, the Capitals immediately score a goal. That was pretty that funny. Was, uh, no, it was that was funny. it was funny. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, uh, more than a couple at this point. Scott Hartnell tried that, where he realized he was just beat and like wasn't getting back in the play, so he just dropped his gloves, thinking the ref would blow the whistle, <laughs> and the ref just looked at him like, "Nah, not not going for that one, buddy." And like the exact same thing happened. But yeah. Um, it's just funny. It's just funny. And I'm not saying that means that they shouldn't have stuck up for Joel Farabee. I'm not saying that means that they shouldn't stick up for their teammates. I'm just saying that, like, it was funny that the one time they finally did it, they immediately got crushed by a goal against that pretty much lost them the game. And, like, I'm not, like, and I realized immediately after it, you know, they basically fall down 3-1, so maybe not the circumstance. I'm not even saying it has to be immediate. It's mm-hmm. nice when it's immediate. But, like, Nicholas Albe Q-Bell, what do you think you're in the lineup for, you know? Yeah. What is Robert Haig in the lineup for? Yeah. yeah what, like, Robert Haig played eight minutes. Robert Haig played eight minutes last night. What the fuck would the difference have been if he got kicked out for instigation? Like, they had seven defensemen in the lineup. He does nothing. They needed a goal all night, so he wasn't going to play. Like, w- do something. I It drives me insane. It's, it's, it's frustrating when they're also playing poorly because it makes everything seem like they don't give a shit is the problem. If they were playing well and they were winning the games hands down and none of the other stuff was a problem, I'm not sure I or a lot of people would care as much. But when you're you're coasting into the defensive zone and you're not hitting anybody and you're giving up weak goals and breakdowns left and right and you're going in on a two-on-one and not shooting the puck like all of these things make it look like you don't give a shit and then when you have one of your better players suplexed at center ice and you do nothing about it it's just another oh you don't give a shit do you and it's it's just another one of these things where like everything together is making things look so dire and if just one of the things would go well I don't think any of this would seem so bad. <clears throat> I want to move on to talk about something else real fun, and it's the power play. Uh, oh, love <laughs> Cannot wait to talk play. about the power play. So they're operating at 18.3%. Uh, that's bottom 10 in the league. I honestly cannot believe they have three power play goals in the last four games. Um, that's One of them was like that Kevin Hayes one with like, 
three seconds left on the power play that like barely count. Whatever, it still counted. Uh, they have four multi-power play goal uh, power play goal games this year. One of them since January ended. Uh, since the last two power play goal game, a two for eight performance against the New York Rangers, the Flyers are three for their last twenty four. That's twelve and a half percent. Uh, no power play goals in 12 of 23 games. That's more than half of them. This isn't just a slump. They're real bad at this. And here's the thing. They're getting tons of opportunities. Five minutes and 57 seconds on average uh, of power play time per game this year. That's fifth in the league behind only Colorado, Dallas, Calgary, and New York. They've got Ghost, Giroux, JVR, Gustafson, Hayes, TK, Voracek. Joel Farabee's got 11 even strength goals, which is like one less than Austin Matthews. He's pretty good. How is this possible? Like, how is this possible? Ghost comments after the game the other day about how, like, oh, let's, you know, we're getting there. Eventually we'll get it together. Like, bro, you get a lot of opportunities at this. What are we waiting for to get it together? Like, what's still got to click for you? I don't get it. Well, the, the thing that, that scared me, and again, like, as a media person, I, I try not to be, but I'm, cer- I'm certain that I'm guilty of paying too much attention to what's, you know, said by the players after games and whatnot. So I, I, I will acknowledge that up front. But Ivan Provorov after Sunday's game concerned me on that power play, not because I was concerned about, you know, Ivan Prorov specifically about this, although I do think he's not exactly that great on the power play. But I asked him after the game, basically, you know, what do you think you guys need to do to get this power play going? And he just took this, like, really long pause and, like, took a deep breath and was like, that's a good question. I don't know. You probably should, though, buddy. You probably should know. Like, even even if you know what you're supposed to be doing and you're not doing it or it's not happening, like, you should at least know. You should have an answer beyond, you know, then just, like, slowly breathing out a few cliches because you got nothing else. And, like, I'm not saying this, again, to shit on Ivan Proro. I'm more saying this to shit on the coaching staff. Yeah, 100%. Because, like, they should be hammering home to Ivan Provorov and everyone else in the power play what they need to do to get out of this funk with the power play. And if Ivan Provorov doesn't have an answer, that makes me wonder if the coaching staff doesn't have an answer. Can we also shit on Ivan Provorov, though? Yeah, we I mean, do need can. to do a little bit of that. Yeah, <laughs> just, just for like a second. His because... name comes up at the end, but I do think it's fair to say he has no business on a power play unit. Like None. No. Oh, no, and he hasn't for years. Like, especially, that's not a new thing. Especially, and like, listen, a couple of years ago, he had, was it last year, two years ago, he like had as many goals for a defenseman on the power play as anyone? Like, okay. But like, you have Ghost and Gus on the roster, um, if they're not doing that, why are they here? Like, that's their job. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, here's, here's the thing. If they don't know what they should be doing, M- Michelle Tarion maybe doesn't know what they should be doing. He clearly um, doesn't. It, it got pointed out on the broadcast last night. You know, you have more players. You have more players than the other team. That's that's a power play, right? That means you should be able to, like, take advantage of that. <laughs> is this mm-hmm. true? Mm-hmm. It sounds like they're giving you a man advantage. Yeah, you is should be able. True? You should be able to take... I'll hang up and listen. You should be able to use your manpower advantage in this situation to, like, get the puck into dangerous areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't utilize a little thing known as the slot. Seems like an issue. 
That sounds fake. So so much like, perimeter play. It's almost like, like Dave Haxtell's back. It's, it really looks like it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, remember remember that little bumper play where it would just be Giroux to the center guy, center guy back to Giroux, Giroux to the center guy, and whether it was Hartnell or Shin or even fucking Couturier, before he could score, uh, the puck would end up in the net a lot. Mm. It's true. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Because that was when the power play was good. It's absolutely wild to me that they used to have such a good power play with pretty much this exact group of players, and somehow they can't figure it out now. So so I do want to make a point there, because, and I don't know if this will be controversial with you guys. I suspect it'll be controversial with certain sections of the Flyers fan base. And and I'm not saying this by any means to absolve Michelle Terry and, and the impact of the coaching staff. Like the some some of the the personnel and schematic combinations they've come up with, formations and whatnot, have been wild in in terms of like the unlikelihood that they're going to succeed. That said, <laughs> at what point do we have to acknowledge the possibility? That Claude Giroux just isn't as good on the power play as he used to be. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. Fair. I think that's fair, but I mean, you look at all of the other aspects of his game, and they're still there. Like he's True. still a really good player. So to to cherry pick that one really tiny sample size and say maybe he's just not that good here, it just feels like. Is it? It just feels wonky to me. Is it that tiny of a sample size, though? The Flyers' no. power well, play. It's just, it's just such a small amount of time that he's on the ice for the power play. Is what I'm saying. Look, if 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 the Flyers had just had a bad power play this year, if that was it, I would be totally on board with the idea that small sample power play doesn't happen that often. The power play was bad in 2018, 2019. The power play was bad for the first two thirds of 2019, 2020. And the power play has been bad all of this year. We're coming up on three years of an underwhelming power play. And, like, I want to believe that all you need to do is reconstitute as close as possible to the power plays of old. And Claude Giroux will go back to being one of the best power play weapons, best best power play setup guys in hockey again. But... I have to acknowledge the possibility that maybe he's just not that dominant anymore. Yeah. And the coaching staff, while an issue, is not the only issue here. And I, I mean, think but co- I think it's it's possible. I think it's it's fair to be asking the question. I just I look at the other aspects of his game and, and I just am not fully on. And board. don't you expect that like a, a that would be the last thing to decline for a player like Drew? Like I feel like See, that's his what role, I would think. Yeah, you his would think, role right? on the power play is is mostly like a mental game. Like pretty much every player that's really good, the last thing to go is the power play because all you have to do is scoot them out to the spot where they do the things, and then they just have to you know make it happen. It's not like the physical aspect of it is not as much. Like I would just expect that like so long as you get him to that spot on the boards where he does what he does, like he should still be able to do it. But to do what he does there, he does have to win battles in the corner. He does Fair. have to make quick decisions. He de- like I go back all the way to 2014 when the power play was good. The Rangers were able to neutralize him by pressuring the shit out of him, and that was a tremendous defensive team with a great goaltender. Like it was hard to do then. They were basically the only ones that could do it. 
Like, now, he's a step slower. He's not quite what he was. He's not winning quite as many battles, even though he's still dominant in the face-off circle. Uh, he's just not getting, uh, like, to that puck in the corner as quickly. His it's, one-timer slap shot isn't really yeah, there anymore. Yeah, that's, that's nowhere to be found. That's, that's the next true. thing I was going to say. Like, when was the last time he scored on that play? Because you used to be able to count on it somewhat. Like, yeah. he was a 28, even 30-goal scorer one season. It's gone now. Like, he de- he's getting deflection and rebound goals. That's how he's scoring right now. Um, I-, I think the coaching staff is kind of telling you he's not that guy anymore. Like, he doesn't start a lot of the power plays. Mm. He Like, they have other guys. And, and, and to be clear, that's dumb. Like, that yeah. is dumb. He, he should be starting power plays. Yeah, no, he absolutely should be. I mean, <laughs> like, here's the thing. This team has a tremendous amount of trouble getting the puck in the zone. They have an incredible advantage in terms of their centermen with faceoffs. You can go on either side with Giroux and Couturier. They need to be out there together. Like, I, I just... It, regardless, yeah, I think the coaching staff is kind of telling you they're not putting as much on Giroux on the power play because he's not the same guy. And if he's not, then the coaching staff needs to figure out who is. And they need to, like, change the formation. Yeah. Like, okay, well, let's set up somewhere else then. Like, That's the thing, they don't seem to change anything. No. They just do well, the same I, shit over and over again, and it's not good. And if they do I make a change, it's like some wacky shit, like putting Robert Haig at the point or something. Like, they, they don't ever seem don't to do anything that, that makes sense. I know. I, just, I, 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 actually, I actually don't think that's a fair critique this year. Like, they, to me, if, if you're going to critique the, what the Flyers coaching staff has done on the power play this year, it's that they haven't given anything a long look. Like it seems yeah. like every two games they they're changing either you know where people are stationed on the power play or who's on the power play or you know flip-flopping guys from power play 1 to power play 2 while denying there actually is a power play 1 or power play 2. <laughs> like there's there's been no continuity at all. Mm-mm. So I don't and that's think the, very I don't think evident. the pro- yeah, like I don't think the problem is the problem to me is less that they don't change things. And it's more that they keep changing things because nothing works, but maybe they're not giving anything enough time to start working. Good point. Like I don't know, I don't know the answer. La- look, last year the answer was abundantly clear. The answer was put Claude Drew back on his normal side and let him do work. And once they did that, things got better. This year, I don't have an obvious solution here beyond like, man, I hope they figure this shit out. Could could an obvious solution be? And like, listen, th- there's there's moving parts to this. Could an obvious solution be Giroux on the half wall, Joel Farabee at the bumper? Boom, problem solved. Goal scorer, left-handed they've, goal scorer from right. They have tried man. that though. Like for they, like they, how long? Yeah, well, that's the thing. For how long? But they have tried it, and it's not like it immediately produced two goals. And put G and Jake out there together. For like, I just think there are things they could do. Uh, I will say, is it? And we'll wrap this up uh, and get on to something positive because I need it for my brain. Mm. Um, is it possible? Perhaps we overrated Giroux on the power play a little bit an underrated Wayne Simmons impact? Probably. I don't think so. I, I, I actually don't think so. Um, just because the, the data, we've got so much data A lot of the same guys saying, otherwise. Uh, no, because, I mean, Wayne Simmons was very, very good on the power play, but... Only Alex Ovechkin had more power play goals during his time here. That's wild. Was Alex Ovechkin a Flyers? No, I mean, no, like, Simmons. during... I know. Like, during I was, the same period, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm making a funny. <laughs> Leave me alone. Um, 
if Alex Ovechkin was a flyer at any point and we let him go, like that would be, I would stop being a fan of that. He team. could be but this summer. Let's see. Let's see how Just it goes. Saying. He's not um, in Washington. But, but we have all of the data that says, no, it was Giroux. Like it was Giroux, but also Wayne Simmons was good. Like the chemistry between the two was really good, but we have the data that says it was Giroux. It, it was, look, it was probably Giroux more than anything else in terms of all the stuff that he was doing. Wayne Simmons was also really good. You know, Braden Shen was also really good. Prime Shane Gossesbeer was also really good. So they have like slowly but surely pulled more and more really good pieces off of the really good power play. So it shouldn't be, I guess, that much of a shock that the really good power play isn't really good anymore. That said, it still shouldn't be this bad. All right. I need a, I, I think it's important the show is an entirely negative and uh, goddamn, how can anybody be negative about Sean Couturier? Like, Ooh. I, 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 when when I checked my phone this morning and saw you guys were ready to go, I just thought of Sean Couturier, and it was like morning wood in my brain. I was good to go. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, that's but, me with Joel Farabee. B- Bill, Bill was like, I don't know if I could do this. And then he's like, you know what? What would Sean Couturier do? Yeah. He would <laughs> yeah, go right out there and up. do that podcast. Yeah, man, Sean Couturier. <laughs> he'd play on a torn MCL. I'd do a podcast on only six hours sleep. <laughs> Make everybody around you better, William. It was, it was, I don't know how much time it was. Who's to say? Uh, like, is, I just got to, like, is there ever a puck within reach of Sean Couturier's stick that he doesn't get his, that he doesn't like, that doesn't become his? I said for the longest time, it was, it was like impossible to market Sidney Crosby because, like, come watch him win every puck battle. If he can reach the puck, <laughs> it's his. Like, you, it's like that's true. not good television. But, like, watching Sean Couturier right now, I swear to God, I is he playing the best hockey of his career? Like, right now, I, I don't know if I've ever seen him just more effective on every single shift. Like, he's scoring in so many ways. He's putting home rebounds, getting to the net. He ripped a slapper the other night. Uh, he tried deking in overtime. It didn't work, so he went to the shot in the shootout and netted it. He's two for two on shootouts this year. Uh, six goals, ten assists, and 13 games. 13 of his points are at even strength. Maybe try a couple on the power play, bud. Uh, like <laughs> Points in all but two games he's played this year. JVR and Joel Farabee look like absolute stars playing alongside of him, not discounting what they did with Lawton. Uh, he's got a 56.6 Corsi 4 percentage on a team with an overall 48 percentage. 48% Corsi, like, he's 54% in the face-off circle. He, I don't know if I've ever seen him play better. I'm just glad that he's ours. Like, yeah. this is not a problem for our team to solve because he's ours. Like, I, I think that he very well could be playing the best hockey of his career, and yet it could possibly get better. Yeah, he's playing great. Mm-hmm. I, I I guess it's hard for me to say if this is the best hockey of his career because over the past like three or four seasons, he's played some really freaking oh, good yeah. hockey. So there have been periods of time where he really wows you, and this is one of those times. He's playing extremely well. I don't know where the Flyers would be without him, to be honest, because they're Damn. already not they're already not doing that great with him. So imagine Although, where they'd be. They won a play. lot of games without him. I will yep. say. So that actually means he's bad. And yeah. he's <laughs> I, I forget. Strip the A. Strip the A. <laughs> no, he's been awesome. I mean, he's got 16 points in 13 games, as you said. You know, it's a, you know, it, what, it's been three years. I think we can call him a point-per-game player at this point because yeah. he pretty much is. Like, add in the fact that he's also great defensively and drives play to a ridiculous degree and plays in all situations. Yeah, he's he's incredible. He's a great player. 
Well, that was uh, that's all the time we have for you. <laughs> we don't know how to talk about things that are good. I know. Yeah, we don't know how to talk about things that are good. Sean Couturier is amazing. He's really good. I like him. All right, and so we love let him. Us, and... Let us also get into Joel Faraby. Uh, well, he's got. Oh. Yeah. This uh, is he the prince who was promised? Who can say? He might like in my mind they drafted him second overall in 2017, and everything's okay. <laughs> uh, but I want to—I I made this comparison a show or two ago, and I want to keep it going because it's a lot of fun for me. Uh, so Farabee has 11 goals and 11 and 11 assists in 22 games so far this year. That's some really easy point-per-game math for me. Um, he's got, in his first 74 games of his career, 19 goals, 24 assists. David Pasternak through 74 games— 16 goals, 25 assists. We have a legit superstar. His name's Joel Faraby. Yeah, he's better than David Pasternak. The science proves it. Clearly. Yep. He's he's such an exciting player. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and I, I, when I say exciting, I don't necessarily mean like, you know, jump out of your seat exciting in the way that like a Pasternak is, where like Pasternak's dynamic. Faraby's just so smart. And it's it's been so rewarding this year because I remember watching him last season. And, I mean, I am one of the bigger Joel Farabee fans out there. He was the guy I wanted them to draft in uh, in 2018, I think was the year they drafted him. Sounds um, right. Yeah, I think it was 2018 because 2019 was York and 2020 was Forster. So, yeah. So, 2018 was the year they drafted him. He was my top choice. I wanted them to take him. When they took him, I was thrilled. And I've, I've loved watching him for years. But I remember last season watching him. And, you know, I expected him to be a play-driving scoring forward. You know, a two-way forward, a guy who you put on a line and he can carry that line, and that's the guy he's going to be for the next 10 years. That's why I liked him so much as a prospect. And his numbers weren't that great last year. In terms, his scoring numbers were decent. His, um, you know, his... Uh, um, his like shot creation and chance creation numbers were good, but the but the play driving numbers, the on ice differentials, they they weren't awesome. And I remember watching him and thinking, it just seems like he's like one bit away from being that guy. He's like a quarter of a stride. He needs to get a quarter of a stride faster. He needs to get a couple reps stronger in the weight room, and then all those almost plays are going to turn into actual plays. And this year, that's exactly what has happened. He got a little bit faster. He got a little bit stronger. And now he's winning those battles he didn't win last year. He's winning those puck races he didn't win last year. He's holding on to that puck a a, a quarter of a second longer than he did last year because he's not worried about getting blown the fuck up on a hit because he's skinny as a rail. And the result is you have a guy who is driving play and scoring points at a point-per-game pace, and he's 21 years old. That's pretty damn good. It's insane. It's insane. And watching just his overtime shift last night, like Whew. the 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 way that he he was on the ice for almost three minutes, and the way that he was still able to kick it into overdrive when he got the puck, just like, to get I, that puck was, deep, was mm-hmm. awesome. I was screaming, like literally standing in front of my TV, screaming. Over just, like, this simple play that you wouldn't, like, if you were a casual hockey fan, you wouldn't be screaming about. But that was, he is so much better than I was expecting. And he was who I wanted at the 2018 draft, too. And when we got him, like, there were almost tears. Like, it was just, he is everything that we've wanted in a prospect come to fruition sooner than we expected. 
that's like what's most exciting to me is like we've we've had this like roster of guys who we've been excited for some of them have turned out some of them they haven't uh, but at least yet and we've had to wait for all of them it seems like there's no waiting here he showed up last year scored some goals looked good and now he's here and he's on the first line and he's like making it one of the best first lines in hockey Couturier and JVR help but like he's more than holding his own he's second on the team in points I mean, your line mates are always going to help, or if, you know, they're your Latero, they hurt, but <laughs> most of the time, they're going to help. So that's not taking away from the fact that he's just really, really good, and he just turned 21. I mean, he's making more of those line mates than Travis Konechny did, so. Well, we're not talking shit about Travis Konechny today. <laughs> oh, not, not today. Not today. <laughs> not today. Okay. No, because we have Nolan Patrick and Ivan Provorov to get to still. Uh, yes. I know Charlie probably has to go soon, so what do we want to start with? Well, Nolan Patrick scored the shootout last night and fixed the Flyers, so. All right. Yeah. That Let's start with Provorov. Uh, just <laughs> just a simple question here. Why? What's up with Provorov? Yeah, what the fuck, dude? dude. I, I got to tell you, I'm starting to have a lot of thoughts. Like, I'm having some consternation. It is that. If you can't be good without another guy making you good, are you a number one defenseman is my question. See, I started to have those thoughts last year. Like, do we just have a number two? Which is fine. It's good. Number twos are good. Twos are good. But that means that we got to find a one. You need a one to win a cup. They aren't easy to come by. And I think that we all expected that Ivan Provorov – was going to be our Petrangelo, and it's looking like maybe that ain't it. And that's kind of a problem. I think that's exactly it. I think he's a two, which is good. Like, it's good to have drafted and grown a number two, (laughs) but we've got to stop treating him like he's a number one. We've got to stop treating Ivan Provorov like, we just need to find the perfect complementary piece, when really we need to find a number one defenseman and then everything else will fall in. That's the thing. Is Ivan Provorov a number two defenseman right now? Maybe. Right now? Uh, If he had had a a one. one. Yeah, that's the thing. If he had a one. Well, I mean, Matt Carl was a number two when he had Chris Pronger. Uh, Like, right now is his level of play that of a number two defenseman on a good team. He's not playing that well right now. So, no, I, I would say right now his level of play is not of the quality of number two. That said, I don't think it's as bad as some people. I maybe. didn't until recently. Yeah, I mean, he's like, the thing with him, he's just, he's on the ice so much. He is, yes. That, like, you know, you're going to, his mistakes are going to stick with you more because he's just out there so damn much. And if you've already decided in your head that he's having a bad game, then you're going to look for those mistakes. Sure. And and then everything's going to seem worse. Like his underlying numbers aren't great, but they're not horrific. Well. Like if you look if if you look at his um his performance by RAPM, which is basically a an, an advanced model created by the evolving hockey guys. He's slightly negative by expected goal impact. He's at negative .050, which isn't good, but it's not horrific. Like, to be horrific, you have to be in that, like, negative .100 range, which Eric Gustafson is and Robert Haig is. He's not there. He's not doing that well. He's not getting utterly crushed either. But no, I don't think he's performing like a number two this year. He's probably performing like a number three who just happens to get, like, a ton of friggin' minutes. But yeah, I, I, look, I'm with you guys. I mean, I, I've said this um, 
that this was a big year for him. This was a big year because obviously last year he performed like a number one, but he had that guy. He had Matt Niskanen, who was playing very well, at least in the regular season he was. This was a big year for Provorov because this was the year when Provorov was going to basically have the training wheels off again. <clears throat> Can he carry a pairing? And so far, the answer seems to be no. He can't. So that is another point of you know information that we now have about Ivan Provorov. And the organization and the front office, in my mind, needs to take that information and then use that to drive exactly how they plan to address the defense. Because it's no longer they can just sign a David Savard and call it a day. They need somebody better if they want to really solidify this top four. Yeah, and that's kind of... And I think that they're able to... I think that they're able to go out and get them with all of the pieces that we have. Sure. But we've got to acknowledge that we're going to get rid of some of our prospects to get the number one Which guy. is fine. Not, not, not just prospects. They probably roster have to get rid of like, a roster player. Yeah. At but least because, oh, well. of, because of the cap implications, I don't see how they can get somebody without moving a roster player. But like... To get Chris Pronger, who's one of the best hockey players of all time, it took two firsts, Luca Spiza, who had been, who had just been a first-round pick, and Joffrey Lupul. He was um, pretty good. And Lupul, was good. Lupul, yeah, Lupul wasn't a star, but he was nice, pretty good. Yeah, he's, yeah. No, yeah, he's a nice complimentary player. It would probably player. be like trading Konechny right now, I think. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, probably. Oof. Which, Konechny, honestly, feel, if, if you're trading yeah. Konechny for a legitimate number one defenseman, I'm yeah, going to fuck. That's fine no, I'm, with that. Yeah, totally, totally fine. Oh. It just hurts my heart. You gotta yeah. detach yourself from these people on a human level. That's the way to. I mean, you can, I cannot. Like, but I with yeah. like certain ones. Others, I can. That's fair. Well, the thing with Konechny is like, I don't want to give Konechny away. No. I don't. I don't think he's a problem. Like, he hasn't played well this year, but I don't think he is long term a problem. No. But you also saying. can't. You also can't be so wedded to guys that you're not willing to discuss them in deals that can make the team better. And like, I don't want to give up Travis Konechny for you know some decent second pair of defensemen that would be stupid as miss yeah. Oh, yeah that would be insane but yeah, like if, if you have the chance to get it's a legit JVR number for one Luke Shen again yeah <laughs> if, you have the, if you have the chance to get a legit number one and they say you need to give up travis connect like you do yeah i'm yeah i'm doing it and that this whole conversation though kind of goes back to like maybe this can't be the year because as of right now there's one dude that almost kind of sort of fixes the problem for us and that's Eckholm. So if you can't get him and he's not even 100% the perfect piece that we need yeah. because he's a lefty. If you can't get him then it's in my mind not worth it to go out and get like a a B or C level defenseman just because they're out there and right now we have the need because even if we do deserve the move like Charlie said like Making one that doesn't long-term make the team a cup contender, there's really just no point to it. And, yeah. and Aristolainen, it, is, it, it ain't it. So, like, don't yeah. bother doing it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I like, look, Aristolainen, I, I don't want to go into Flyers fans but, love but, a big, giant man, and he's a righty. And so, for some listen, reason, people think that it's an option, and it's simply not, not an option. <laughs> I'm not saying he'd fix the defense. I'm saying I'd prefer him over Haig. Uh, fair, sure. I mean, fair. So, so if you're I. giving up like a second round pick yeah, I'm and not Robert Hayes, I'm not trading Rasmus Ristolainen. Yeah. That's I, fine. I'm not trading Travis Konechny for Rasmus Ristolainen. And, and you also are acknowledging that getting him for whatever you get him for, even if it's in place of Robert Hayes, doesn't fix a fucking thing. 
can, but can, the, the, the point I was, I was leading up to is basically like, if the Flyers don't get Ekholm, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that they shouldn't then, like, say, give up a second round pick for David Savard. Like, why not? You know, how many more prospects can you get? Like, at least, at least give it a go. Give your team a fighting chance in case in April they get it together. And then you're thinking to yourself, well, why don't we just get one more guy? Because now Carter Hart is rolling. And now, and now the team defense is playing better. And man, I wish we would have gotten a legit top four defenseman to help out just in case. Like, I'm not saying, you know, sell the farm for a, just a decent player. But I'm also saying, like, I'm not looking at this as Eckholm or bust, okay? Okay. Can we address this idea, and then we'll move on real fast and try to get to Nolan Patrick. I'm sure Charlie has to Charlie's got to go. Yeah. Um, so quick. The idea that acquiring somebody is just a rental. I'm sorry. Uh, like, if we have JVR and Phil Myers both exposed, Phil Myers not getting taken. Like, he's good. He's nice. I'm sure teams no, see no, something no, in him. He, no, he'd be taken. I think Why? so, Because he's younger. And Seattle's younger. very smart. He's six foot five. He's a right-handed shot that can skate. You realize there's only like six of those guys in the entire league. There's and a, Seattle. There's has seven Zimita. rounds of a like, draft. Let's not forget. There's seven rounds of a draft where he wasn't taken. Like, he, right, he's now not that good. Now we know. Now we know. NHL level. Right yeah, that's now. the thing. Now we know. And Seattle has Namita. Don't ever forget that. Uh, so she's the general manager. No, I, think, I, think, I think they might listen to her a little bit more when it comes to who they take from the flight. Yeah, right? She's yeah. Gonna be I, just, like, I don't understand if there's, like, other good players available. I like Phil Myers. I think he's nice. I just don't see why they'd take him. Like, I, I given, absolutely think Given would who would be available from the Flyers when they get to the Flyers, he's definitely going to be taken if he's Point-per-game players? Like... On seven million dollar uh, contracts, that are on the on the wrong side of the age curve. Yes, good players yeah. get paid. Mediocre players get paid mediocre. Anyway, I just think it's silly to not want to acquire a better defenseman who improves the team, even if you have to sign him long term. If it means exposing a worse one, if they're going out and getting someone, it would be someone better than Phil Myers. Is what God, I'm saying. I'm just I'm just so sick of this whole. I mean, there is a way. So that am they I, could, but it's happening. They could protect. I know it is, but like. We're going to protect the players that we want to keep. Like, Chuck Fletcher will figure Yeah, the best out. ones. There's a way for them to protect Myers if they get Ekholm, isn't there? Well, they would have to either go eight skaters, yeah. which means yeah. you're exposing probably both of Limblom and Patrick. Okay. And probably losing one, one of the two. Or you pay Seattle not to take Ekholm. Let me ask you a question. Right now, as we record this podcast, if we lost Nolan Patrick to Seattle, would you be upset? I wouldn't. No. I, I, I would be disappointed. It but, would be I like, mean, a, oh, I wish yeah. we could have lost Robert Haig to Seattle. That would have been better. Or maybe they could have taken Pierre Edward Belmar again. That would have been nice. But if if the end result of this is we have Ekholm and we lose Nolan Patrick to Seattle, I'm not sure I'm going to be that mad about it. I still see so much potential. There's a lot of potential there. Not gonna and, lie and we've to gotta you. Give, we've got to give him time to unlock it, and no one is willing to give him the time. People are willing to acknowledge that Oscar Lindblom went through a lot and took off a, a significant chunk of last season, but no one is willing to give the same leniency to Nolan Patrick, who missed a lot more time and was also dealing with a lot. Because I like, feel like need, even before I mean, any of that happened, I saw more out of Oscar Lindblom that I liked than I saw out of Nolan Patrick. Maybe. Not maybe. no. You this is that, that's lot. unquestionable. It's not maybe. 
No, it's maybe because you saw a lot out of Oscar Lindblom for two months and that was it. It was two months where he was playing absolutely fucking incredibly and nobody could believe that that was what we were seeing out of Oscar Lindblom. I've never been blown away by Nolan Patrick. Not not Nolan Patrick was a steady player for two seasons when he was 19 That's fair, but if we lose a third line player to Seattle, is that that bad of a... But he's not, he may be a third line player at being 22 years old, but he's 22. He has zero points in his last 16 games. He's bad. He's not, like, you've got to give him some leeway. And I'm not I'm giving him leeway. He has zero points. I'm not saying that he's playing well, because he's not. He's not playing well. I'm saying you need to give him some room to develop. He's also been playing on the fourth line, just in the past couple of because games, he's with Nick Albe Kubel, down who's there. Yeah, because like he was garbage. playing with players who score and he couldn't score. He worked his way down to the fourth line. And I'm just, I'm not saying that, like in it, I'm not saying that if nothing else changes, I'd be fine with losing Nolan Patrick for nothing. I'm saying if a bunch of moves that improve the team happen, and as a result of those moves, we have to leave Nolan Patrick exposed, and then we lose him, net. That's like a net positive for me if the moves that led to all of that happening make the team better. I I just don't understand how people that are willing to be big picture in some situations are willing to be so short-sighted enough. Because cancer and migraines aren't the same. This is not like you guys. Cancer and migraines aren't the same in people's heads. Like, it's not. It's not even that for me. It's before any of that happened. I just don't see him being a game changer. Hope he might be like a very solid good NHL hockey player at some point, but I don't think he's going to be so good that I'm worried about losing him at some point for something better. Is all I'm saying. I'm not saying he's bad, I'm not saying he's a fourth line player, I'm not saying he's going to be garbage for his whole career. I just don't think he's going to be that good that it matters, and just because we took him number 2 overall, I don't want to hang on waiting to see what happens when, as we've said a hundred times, this team is in win-now mode. Number two is an apt description of his play. All right, so that that is all the time we Hold have. On, Charlie to... didn't say anything. Charlie just let us he yell it out. Yeah. I saw him not. You guys were, you guys were yelling. So I just <laughs> let you go. I mean, like, the most disappointing part about losing... Let Charlie speak. Shut up. No, I, I mean... What can you? What can I say about Nolan Patrick? He's not playing that well. I understand Kelly's point that, you know, if look, it all just comes down to what you think about Nolan Patrick's upside. If if you've decided that you're skeptical that he's ever going to be an impact player, it still would hurt to lose, you know, a, a young right-handed center with the level of skill that I do believe Nolan Patrick has for nothing. It would hurt, but they do need him I for can, shootouts. I can understand the argument that. It's not worth losing sleep over losing him if it means improving this team now and taking cup run. Like I get it. I, I'm I, I'm not really on one one side of the fence or the other on this one. Like it's just I, I hope the guy plays better. I'm willing to give him leeway this year because he missed nearly two seasons. I'm willing to cut him a break. I wish he was playing better hockey. Bears had enough of all of this. He has had the I'll tell you, the most, to me, the most disappointing part about potentially losing Nolan Patrick in the expansion draft is I really want that seven or eight mil 
uh, in cap space from JVR or Vorchek. That's what really would disappoint me. If we only got like a million off the books, I would kind of like it. So that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. Boom, content daily. That's it. Uh, Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!